Hi, I'm Candice Burt. This is episode 80, and you're listening to Training for Ultra Podcast. Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. Welcome to episode 80 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. An exciting episode with Candace Burt. Getting to know Candace Burt, trying to take a different approach, especially when we have, you know, runners and race directors and people within the ultra and trail world that have been interviewed a few times prior. I want to just take a different angle and add value to the conversation and not just ask the same, you know, stock questions. So hopefully you get something from this and uh, you'll definitely learn something new about Candace Burt. So I just keep listening and you'll you'll hear some some fun things. And I, uh, I appreciate Candace being so open and frank and being a straight shooter. Definitely... Yeah, I've, I've met her in person. She's just a great person to be around. If you ever get the chance, um, definitely check out some of her races. She runs Destination Trail and can't speak more highly of her. So big thank you to Patreon supporters. Wanted to throw that out there. They know something. They know what's in the works um, for something in June that I haven't publicly shared yet. But it's always cool bouncing ideas off you guys and trying to motivate you. And you guys motivate me, but it's cool like hearing... A little bit more focused uh, social media updates just because it gets a little chaotic when there's so many other people so but I, I appreciate your support and every dollar of patreon goes directly into you know supporting motivating you guys so last last thing before we get to the episode I wanted to read uh, email that I got I've gotten quite a quite a few like really great responses from the book that's now out Training for Ultra, Ultra Stories from the Middle of the Pack. It's on trainingforultra.com for a physical copy and Kindle for the digital copy. And it will be in an audiobook here shortly that I read. And it's just, audiobooks are really hard, so it's taking me a while. But uh, Deanne wrote me an email I just wanted to share. It's just kind of cool feedback. And um, here it is. Hi, Rob. Just want to drop you a note and let you know I finished your book and really, really enjoyed it. I found it so inspiring. I plan to write a review later, but wanted to share some of my thoughts. I'm easily 20 years older, a grandmother, and starting to run much later in life than you, but I still found your book so inspiring and relevant. It really is for everybody. So many great running books I read are so typically someone who runs their first marathon under three hours or four hours at some ridiculous pace I would never be able to run. But when you towed the line on your first marathon, you wanted to maintain a 12-minute pace. That's me. That's so many ordinary runners out there. You mentioned questioning yourself if you belonged in the crowd at the start of your race. I wondered those same things every time. I ran a half marathon this last weekend and read a couple chapters of your book. You were discussing your hydration. Because of that, I focused on it during my run. Hydration has been a struggle for me. I ran 14 miles recently and drank maybe 8 ounces, yikes, but consciously drank throughout the run and got a PR by 5 minutes. You were amazing and you have accomplished so much, loved your Moab 240 chapters, I can't even dot dot dot, 
winky face. <laughs> um, I do have very big goals, very challenging ones, and your book was a great reminder that I am capable of doing so much, pushing myself beyond what I think are my limits. So many races I want to do now. Anyways, thank you for sharing your story. Dan, thank you for that feedback, and I appreciate everyone who's reached out. It's truly awesome, and that's that's ultimately why I'm writing, why I wrote the book. That's why I'm suffering through reading the book out loud and trying to make it um, professional. But yeah, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate Ultimate Direction, Destination Trail, Exoskin, Hammer Nutrition, and Sufferfest Beer. Let's get to know Candace Burt. Let's, we're going to get to know Candace Burt, the person, along with all the other good stuff. Um, but I feel like every time Candace has been on an episode of whatever podcast or interview or, or you know, in, in magazines, um, it's focused so much on the same topic that I'm trying to branch out and get to know the person behind all these amazing things. So I'm excited. And if the listener only knew how much Candace actually supported me behind the scenes and really let me test myself beyond anything I could ever have imagined like she is a huge part of why those last five chapters in the book are the way they are like um and yeah you've really helped me out so i appreciate it yeah absolutely it's been fun seeing you take on the 200 mile journey and i'm really excited to see what you think this year doing all three of them in less than three months i just need three photos at the finish i missed mine because you were i you went, oh. at, you went after, like, helping Van. Come on. Come on. I was <laughs> going through the finish for a photo, and you wanted to help somebody. Um, I know. That that was a, well, a somewhat unique um, thing to happen. Uh, but we do usually do a few rescues each 200-mile race. Either somebody, uh, their headlamp goes out in the middle of the night, and we have to go out there. Or in this case, we weren't sure what was going on. But it was a really important rescue. And I actually saw you on the trail Yep. As I ran up in the middle of the night, it was freezing cold, and I was just running up the trail. I barely recognized you. I didn't and know I was it was like, cold. Oh, that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's super weird because like I was, I was on mile like two thirty five. Yeah, it's, and it's in the book. I tried to like paint the picture there a little bit, but um, I was concerned for Van because she was super nice to me when I saw her. I was in a low spot. She was in a high spot. And then, honestly, I didn't hear or see anyone And then until I saw a headlamp coming the opposite direction. And I was just, like, too out of it to really fully grasp what was going on. I was more concerned of, like, I was more concerned about running out of gummy bears than anything at that moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a big concern. <laughs> but, yeah, you're, you're amazing. You take care of your runners. Um, so, take me back. I'm trying to understand... Candace Burt, the person, I mean, you, you're the inventor of the 200, you know, your name will be in, in ultra running history books. If anyone decides to write an ultra running history book, um, <laughs> like how did, what were you like growing up? Were you a tomboy? Like, were you just running around hyperactive? Probably like myself. I mean, <laughs> yeah. take, take me way back to the beginning because I want to get to know you as, you know, Candace Burt, the person to start with. Yeah, and, and before I delve into that real quick, I like to say that I've popularized the 200-mile distance. I, I appreciate um, 
being called the inventor. However, I think it's more accurate to say that I've sort of, I'm trying to make it into a legitimate ultra running distance rather than just like this weird sort of um, odd thing that, that pops up every once in a while. And so, you know, when people talk about ultra running and they talk about 50 Ks and hundred miles and 50 milers, I want them 200 to be like one of those distances, you know, just a standardized kind of distance. Um, and I started the, uh, non-repetitive type, uh, 200s here in the U S. Um, but there were some, uh, shorter loop, um, both timed events or people, you know, events where you could do like a hundred, 200, 500 miles. Um, but not really any like standalone 200 milers that, that definitely is a newer kind of thing. So just to be a little picky on nitpicky on the wording there. (laughs) No, no, that's fair enough. Fair enough, I agree. Let the history, the ultra running history book, um, be duly noted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for for history's sake. I yeah. I think you're avoiding this. I want to know, like, what was your childhood like? Come on. Well, um, yeah. So so I grew up. I was born in Seattle. Um, at the time, my parents lived in the city, and when I was about one year old, they moved to Whidbey Island. Um, they bought a ten acre. Uh, farm. So we had a farmhouse, a barn, there was a greenhouse, a garage, all these separate outbuildings. And my mom's dream was always to have this little farm um, in the country. But uh, my dad would commute into Seattle uh, for work every day, pretty long commute. So he he was gone a lot. And um, my mom ended up being a stay at home mom, at least while I was really young. But she would kick us out of the house and say, you know, if, if you don't want to do chores, you got to go outside and play. And she didn't care what we did, but if we were outside <laughs> yeah. and, came, and came back when she, like, quite literally rang the bell on the house, um, we had to come back in. And, uh, yeah, we would just run run wild in, in fields and um, through, like, explore forests and climb trees. And so my childhood, um, I mean, we were we would try to run around barefoot as long as we could toughen up our feet. We were running across like hot cement to try to blister our feet so they'd get tougher. And uh, just be, we were just like, you know, wild children running free. Um, and How many I brothers took, and sisters did you have? I had a younger brother and then two older sisters. And we um, we I had a number not, of I like- I would not have guessed that. That's crazy. Really? Okay. Yeah, I would have thought you were the oldest for some reason. No, Sorry, yeah, I, I was I in, in the middle. Off. To the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And we're all pretty close within four years of each other. Um, and one of my older sisters is adopted, um, as well. So yeah, we had, we had some farm animals that were more just for fun. Um, or, you know, we had chickens for eggs, but it was for the experience, I think. And then my mom was a big horseback rider. So I actually grew up, um, she rode English and dressage, which was a little weird for the area I grew up in. It was more like Western, um, style writing. So I, I grew up writing English and jumping horses and uh, doing, you know, more like English dressage style horseback riding. Um, and so I showed horses uh, in middle school and um, got into running in high school because I wanted to be a little bit more social. Um, horseback riding can be a really solo sport other than, you know, being with your horse. But um, yeah, it was a very outdoors. I mean, we were out outdoors every day, all day, as much as possible. And you were a pretty good student, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I was um, obsessively good student, just, it it was important to me to get straight A's, and um, 
I wanted to get like valedictorian and I got one A minus in high school. <laughs> the you rest were A's. You still you still like wake up and yell like <laughs> Yeah. Like, I forgot whatever to train that teacher's name. Oh. Yeah, it was just one in in, one in French class of all. It was I missed a, a day or something in French class, didn't turn something in and she gave me an A minus and broke my 4.0 average. <laughs> Gosh. But uh, you, yeah. my, you and my wife would get along. I, yeah. I was I was the last person from straight A student, um, especially in foreign language. Gosh, um, <laughs> and so you you joined the cross country team. Is that right? In middle school or was it high school? It was high school um, to socialize. Freshman... Yeah, that was my idea okay. of becoming a little more social because I was I was definitely more of a. I had my own world going on in, in my own head and um, and at home, um, I think sort of a little bit more of a loner type. That's probably why I like running. Um, but I would go out and I'd rather spend all day with like the horses or the, the dogs than go do something socially uh, was more my, my style. So I thought it would be a good way to get out there and make more friends. And it did end up being a really great way to meet like similar minded kinds of people. So middle school, you were kind of self-immersed and, and like within yeah. your own head and just discovering the world and probably very self-conscious and that sort of thing. And so running has kind of introduced all that to you. Yeah, exactly. And um, in middle school, too, I had sort of a significant um, – my dad um, was a Seattle police officer growing up, and he decided to run for sheriff on Woodby Island when I was in middle school, which, you know, as a middle school student, um, having your dad run for sheriff is, like, definitely not on your, like, oh, this would be cool list. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so we were, it was, it was really, it was really intense. And you it hunkered was down hard. for two years. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was hard. Everybody's like, oh boy. Um, but I, uh, so along with that, he had to run a, a whole campaign and he had a campaign manager and um, the voting day was on my birthday, you know, so it was oh, like, gosh, it was just a huge case. thing we went through. We, we had to take pictures and do newspaper articles and go in parades. And, you know, it was just sort of a big part. I remember of my middle school experience was also being like the weirdo who's dad was running for sheriff and he won but um which also is like That's, not really good for middle school I, it would have been bad to go through all that and then he loses i mean in a weird sense it's true like, yeah at least he was a winner <laughs> <laughs> so high school you start running and yeah. do you find like you have a natural gift for it or do you i mean was it horrible or were you like more excited that there were like i don't know guys in the group running like I don't know what like what was what was uh exciting about high school running for you well um I think I really liked having something that I could put my energy into because I've always had a lot of energy and um something to improve myself on that wasn't just um like school smarts kind of studying so it, it balanced out like the the school side um the straight a student side and um i think at the time i was just sort of as a self-conscious individual you know I, I ran a lot more to have the kind of body i wanted rather than um for the other things i've come to find 
that it brings to me now um, as I'm older, like, you know, almost a spirituality that you can get from from running. Uh, but this connection to the world and to nature wasn't something I was as aware of back then. Um, and I liked that we got to travel. Um, competing was a big stress and anxiety for me. Uh, and I was, um, I was good, but I definitely, it wasn't like, um, I hadn't found my niche in it in terms of training and, uh, you know, success, huge success with racing. It was more just, you know, I, I wasn't bad at it and I enjoyed, um, the socialization aspect. And so were um, you, were you feeling like societal, like pressure in high school, like trying to look a certain way and like, I don't know. We've all felt it. I honestly, I yeah. mean, I've, I've definitely felt it in high school's brutal. Kids will just come up and tell you they don't like the way you look like straight up for because, sure. Cause the maturity level, especially like those early years in high school, like there is none. There's still, we're all still children at that age. Um, yeah. so did that, did that like put just excess stress on you? Like in terms of food and I don't know, like body image type, issues i mean i honestly i battled the same thing uh in probably 11th grade i would say yeah i you know i i've never really struggled with being overweight but i've definitely struggled with feeling like i was overweight when i wasn't um just having a, a not not a good idea of my actual reality of where I was at, always wanting to be same way better. Um, yeah. Always you, wanting to be thinner. You always can never wanting... be too thin until like you reach a breaking point. Essentially. Like, I don't yeah. know. At yeah, least when I look in line. the mirror, I feel like, Oh, I don't know. Is that like the perfectionist in you too? Like, yeah, I think it's absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of us runners deal with those thoughts and those, um, sort of, perfection trying to perfect ourselves in that way um and it's both good and bad right it's like it makes us better than we would be to reach um high but at the same time when taken too far or when you're going through a hard time in your life um it can become compulsive and unhealthy yeah, yeah so it has to be balanced and honestly it's always finding that balance is not always easy even now but um yeah i think i think it's definitely nice to have the perspective of being an adult and knowing that um, other people's opinions of you aren't what's important. Um, it's really how you feel and, you know, how you really want to be in yourself. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, it's weird because it's like a, you have to have a, a good understanding of yourself, but then also your self-perception can skew that. So it's, it's like a weird balance and I mean, where, just really quick, and then I want to hear about you going to college, but where did this drive come from? Was this like, I mean, it sounds like your dad was kind of, you know, disciplined, um, I, and I, obviously I don't know that, but where did the drive come from? Because you want to be a straight A student, you're joining the track team, like you're, you're already pushing yourself from a young age, and my guess is you wanted to beat all the kids in school whenever there's any kind of competition are you highly competitive <laughs> yeah i do think from that uh, young age and then like where's the drive yeah. come from that's a good question i mean i'm definitely competitive and i definitely have uh, a lot of drive to be competitive um it's a type of thing that the competitiveness um it it doesn't mean I'm not um, friendly or friends with, let's say, my competitors, but I really enjoy and feed off of that 
sort of the race mentality. And so I think because of that, you know, cross country uh, was fun, but also stressful. Um, I didn't know how to handle like my anxiety or my nervousness at the time. I used to get really nervous to the point where I get like horrible stomach aches. Um, but now, you know, as an adult, I can just say, Hey, in the long term, this doesn't matter. I have this perspective. Uh, but back then everything mattered so much, you know, in that moment. Um, yeah, as far as drive, I mean, that's really hard to say. Is it something that I was born with? Um, genetically, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've always had it. I just remember, um, always wanting to, um, do a little bit more than was normal, <laughs> fit a little bit more into every time slot. You know, it, it plays into every part of my life in both positive and negative ways. Um, but like when I decided to put together, um, like the Tahoe 200, for example, you know, I had it up and running and websites going and all this kind of stuff within like a month of deciding I'm going to do this, um, and permits I, in. I can, <laughs> I can relate on, you know, very similar, uh, aspects. So, I mean, that's an interesting point, even before we get to your college. Um, how do you perceive time? Like, do you value, do you value it maybe more than normal or, or like, like, it I seems do. like, it, why, why do you value time so much? I feel that we have, um, we only have what's right in front of us and, we don't know how long um, we're going to be around. I could die tonight. I could die tomorrow. Um, I So I think that this present moment that I find myself in right now, I'm always thinking about um, what's significant to me because, because of that feeling that I need to live my life now, not, you know, I'm not going to run the Tower 200 in 2020. Like for me, the mentality is let's do it. Let's do it now. You know, and it's, there's a certain impulsiveness and spontaneity in that that's um, powerful, but it also can lead to overworking myself or, you know, like generally. Massive I, issue. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I don't sleep oh. a lot either. So it's like I, I'll be working till two or three in the morning um, most nights and or either it's like a strength workout or maybe I'm working on a podcast or, you know, I just get on these sort of drives like that and um don't need as much sleep either. So I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. You're you're like one of my favorite humans that I've only talked to in person for like five minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was on on the way to, to save a runner or try to you know try to find a runner. So it is it is funny. I I love it. Um, I love your passion. I think that's like I don't know one because I followed you like on all your outlets and listen to your podcast and stuff but your passion is just like off the charts and uh yeah it's awesome so how was your college experience was it the typical college experience i mean you're a straight a student your dad just won you know the the local elections for becoming a police officer uh head police officer what what was it i'm sorry sheriff sheriff yeah. i'm butchering that i mean was your <laughs> col- how, how was your college experience you know I, I went into it thinking college is everything you've got to go to the best college and get the best degree and i was going to be a doctor actually uh i wanted to be a neurologist of all things and um i i think what happened was i got a little burned out and um when I went into college, I realized I was really interested in 
um, creative writing, which I'd done a lot of in high school. I'd taken some advanced creative writing classes and poetry and love that stuff. And then I went into college, you know, going into, and again, like we talked, you and I talked about science, like I love science. So I was in, you know, these biology classes and working toward this uh, doctor's kind of degree, biology degree. And I just found myself going toward philosophy and creative writing. And so I was taking these English classes and more uh, French language. And I just felt sort of lost at the same time. And I started to dabble in um, experimenting with drugs and a lot of um, sort of that side of of college, um, which is not everybody's college experience, but I think because I had such and there's like a, unlimited freedom in college a yeah, lot of times, right? Totally. So I got away got away from the the police parents, and actually my parents met as police officers in Seattle. My mom was in the first class of uh, Seattle police officers, female Seattle police officers. They actually let into um, the force. So for a I'm long kidding. time, they didn't they didn't allow women to become police officers. So she met my dad um, on the police force, and then you know they they got married and she had kids. Um, so was was college like your stereotypical like you know you go to a few keg parties and all of a sudden like I don't know you're off in the corner. Like what? What type of drugs were you experimenting? Like, was it was it really serious, or was it? I mean, was it just dabbling, or, or like? And I'm probably going to get hate mail yeah. for that comment, but um, like, like, <laughs> yeah, was like, it just a little bit, or was it? I mean, I'll get hate mail regardless, so why not? Yeah. Well, I I think I um, wanted to sort of see the other side of. Uh, of I, you know, there, there's sort of like a darker side <laughs> to every person, and um, and sometimes drugs can take you on onto that. Um, but I was looking at them at the time as drugs being something that could maybe open my eyes to other realities that I hadn't experienced. And so I was doing stuff like mushrooms and um, you know smoking a lot of pot and uh, of course drinking um, probably too heavily. And, and, and were you actually so, like having? any experiences like was this opening anything for you or were you just like actually having the opposite effect or I think I think for me um like mushrooms for example so you know you if you take a strong enough dose obviously you're gonna hallucinate really strongly and so the people that I was taking those with um we we took some and i didn't know the amounts at the time but we took some pretty heavy doses and i remember you know seeing in black and white and just feeling really sick too um but sort of you would take these drugs out in nature somewhere and there there was a group of us i was always hanging out with with these guys who were like skaters and this kind of thing and um and so we're all hanging out in this parking lot we've taken this mushroom tea and we're like like scattering like little gnomes and elves through the parking lot any light you know somebody drives in we're all like you know just like animals running around it was so it was like i don't remember really finding any deeper meaning um (laughs) through the drugs uh but definitely having some really intense. So you were um, you were searching though. You were you were looking yeah. for something more meaningful. It seems like. Yeah, like, I was. Yeah, I was definitely. Like, were you were you unhappy and just, or were you just? You're you're such a go getter. I feel like like you were just searching and and wanted to get out um, and kind of find the meaning of life essentially and just exploring. 
Yeah, I was trying to find um, my own answers, I guess, and I didn't find them um, through those drugs. Uh, I definitely didn't find them. I I think in the long term, doing some of that stuff um, w- sort of depresses your your overall being. Um, and but I do think that that search sort of for answers and that restlessness that I have um, added to you know, me going down that path and trying those things. And certainly in college, you know, you can get any drug, uh, any drug you want. So they're definitely more readily available. So how, how did the rest of college go? Like, were you, I mean, did you switch on the academic side and yeah, I I love that. Let's just spend the hour, the rest of the time, (laughs) let's talk science. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're gonna just shock cosmology shock everybody yeah this... by t- going deep into science now so is it tr- what do you think of jupiter's red spot no, no. <laughs> jupiter, does, jupiter doesn't have a mass does it it's just gas um, i i think i think we should take some ultra runners to an I will become an astronaut. I mean, wouldn't that be the ultimate uh, ultra? Two thousand miler on the moon or something? Yeah, yeah. Or I would Mars. do that. I would do that. Um, I love that idea. But <laughs> Elon Musk would probably be in. God knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, right. I mean, talk about a marketing. Um, you know, throw a bunch of ultra runners up on another planet for an ultra. Like, wow. I. I am definitely in on this one. <laughs> <laughs> you, sound, you sounded like Courtney D there. That was crazy. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she she would probably win the first one, or you would. Um, oh, she would. She would. <laughs> she would. So, college. I mean, okay. I'll just get to the point. You dropped out, which yeah. shocks the hell out of me because I'm like, you you have this go getter. Like, you just you have drive like no other you know, and then it hits a wall and, you know, a lot of times that doesn't play out well. I mean, I honestly, and I've never shared this, I didn't want to go to college. Initially, I wanted to just paint for a living. I wanted to be an abstract artist and just paint with oil. Um, And that did not go well with my parents, but they were like, just go to college. We'll just study anything you want just go to college and eventually i found you know some fascinating things to go into um like what were your parents reactions like how did how did that all play out and and where did you go after that and then let's talk running for a while yeah absolutely not all science (laughs) i um I got the feeling that college wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't necessarily some passageway to this perfect job um, that I thought it had been. Um, And I think that if you really look at a lot of um, college experiences for people, you see that it, I mean, college is, is a money-making machine, you know, and it doesn't work out for everybody and it's not right for everybody. Um, And had I a better idea of where I wanted to go, um, what direction I wanted to go. I think it would have worked out better, but I just realized, you know, after a a year, even I was like, I have no clue if I'm going to like being a doctor. I don't want to work in a hospital. And I just, it freaked me out thinking I would put all these years into college and then maybe not like the work. And so I went 
after that first year of college. So that summer I worked um, actually in Lake Tahoe. It was my first introduction to Tahoe. Um, and I fell in love with the place. I worked at a natural food store all summer. So I really delved into like some of the natural kind of, uh, at the time, this was in like the year 2001, uh, organic and all that was still like pretty new. And it was really interesting, all these alternative medicines. And I was exploring all that kind of stuff. And I thought, it just started getting my brain going. I went back to college that fall hated it again. Um, I, I was doing philosophy classes, like a lot of existentialism and, you know, studying, uh, I, I just dropped off the, like, just wasn't interested in putting the work in. Um, so you were burnt out. And by yeah. the way, when you said in the year 2001, I, I couldn't help but just like Conan O'Brien, like in the year 2000, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got, I got <laughs> a little sidetracked mentally. Um, <laughs> you know, what's funny. I, so my high school graduating year, I was year 2000. So that's a fun fact. It makes me sound old now all of a sudden, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I you really were like, you, you almost did a 180, like yeah, it did. just complete 180. And um, how did you end up going the direction you went at that point? I, I'll preface it by saying too, that I've, I feel like I've, lived a, a lot of very different lives within a relatively small amount of time. And so the straight A student to the, you know, drug taking college student to the dropout. Um, and I went into massage school at that point, knowing it wasn't a long-term um, career for me, but being into like all these natural therapies, I thought it would be an interesting thing to learn. And I've always been really fascinated with the way the human body works. So it was a way to just jump into a job and, um, with a relatively short amount of schooling and just get into the world. And so I just, I just really wanted to start being a part of, of the world. And I did that. I ended up doing massage, um, for like eight years, crazy enough. Um, and I had, so I got into all that and the natural therapies and learning all about different diets and, um, yeah, and, and then at some point I got into ultra running. So it went from there to, oh, I think I'll make some races to this is my new uh, career path. And Let's not get there yet. Okay. We've, we've I know still... there's, a lo- <laughs> there's a lot. It's, Did you uh, have to interview for your job for mis- massage therapy? I mean, are you I, – I would, I would think that you of all people are like you'd nail interviews. Am I wrong or have you, (laughs) have you interviewed and not got a job? Just curious. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, an interesting fact, uh, I, I haven't really worked for other people. Um, so when I, when I, I went to massage school, but then I worked for myself. So, um, I just, I, yeah, it's just, (laughs) I don't, I have worked a little, when I've worked for other people, it's been in more of a management role, but I just don't tend to, um, do as well in those circumstances. <laughs> I don't okay, know. I, I had to like throw out. No one's asked you that question, so yeah. okay, the <laughs> listener, you're getting unique insights here. It's true. I there's a, already there's. A, I'm like, is this too much? <laughs> Talking about oh, running man. around on mushrooms in a parking lot. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta warn. Yeah, running too. Oh, man, in hallucinating. I mean, there's not enough of that at 200s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Seriously. Um, yeah. So, on a very serious note, why did you not pursue science? I mean, like, 
I mean, it sounded like prior. Your dog. What is your dog? Your newest pup's name? What is it? Cosmos. Yeah, I mean, Cosmos. Yeah. I mean, I assume you have some connection to. This is probably the worst question I've ever asked anyone, and I don't edit. <laughs> I don't edit, so this is making it. Um, how can I spin yes. this? Um, you know, Neil couldn't make the podcast. I was going to have him on to talk about you know space and whatnot. Um, why the hum- why the human body? Because it seems like honestly, you're still kind of testing yourself as like kind of the experiment in a weird sense. Yeah, um, you mean like why the human body in terms of like doing massage or why is that yeah, a, yeah. a part of science that interests me? Yeah, I mean both, yes. Yeah, I think um, it seemed really relevant having a human body. Um, and <laughs> and ever since, so back in high school when I started running, um, like a lot of things that I really like and I really liked running, I became obsessed with it um, and, you know, watched a lot of movies on running and read a lot of books. And um, I remember taking this test in high school, and it was supposed to tell you, give you an idea of what you were going to be when you grew up. Um, and I had to laugh at it. At the time, I thought it was funny because I was like, no way. But it told me I was going to be like a running coach because uh, I was <laughs> so obsessed with running. You were going to be a running coach for 200 milers. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, if you think about it, it's not too far off from what I'm doing now. Um, in fact, I've done some coaching, but as a race director, you know, you can only do so much, listen to me saying this. Um, but I learned that in terms of like coaching, that's a whole different path to go down. And so I've focused on race directing, but I still get a lot of questions from people, you know, in, in terms of coaching. But yeah, um, I think that from a relatively young age, running has just was so significant to me in my experiences that I had with it and how it made me feel. Um, and I think too, you know, as a lot of us in ultra running, especially have noticed running can serve as a mood stabilizer and can help us with things that we might struggle with, um, anxiety and depression. And, you know, you see, you see it throughout the ultra running world, maybe, maybe because we're more open than other runners or because we struggle with, with more of these issues. I'm not sure, but I've, I think I've struggled with it, um, myself personally, like, I've noticed if I'm not taking proper vitamins and minerals and whatnot that I'll I'll tend towards like kind of a depressed state for that day. Like I can remember, like I know the days I'll tell my wife, I'll, like I forgot my vitamin D today. Like I was kind of, you know, a little lower than normal in terms of just like my thought process and whatnot. Um, yeah. But we're taxing our systems and we're utilizing, you know, like regular minerals that people have like stable levels in like we're depleting completely like we're taking out all of our iron and it just i mean it it has to have an impact on you and i mean have have you battled kind of similar things have you noticed things that can help you yeah um i have i have definitely found that as I have a better diet and cut out things like I, I stopped drinking, um, in 2017, sort of in September, 2017 completely. And that was a huge shift too, in my body being able to react better to training, um, and be able to put more stress on my body. Whereas before, and, and partly I've talked a little bit about this more openly over the past year, you know, but 
my reasons for quitting drinking and, you know, how I was, I was using it as a crutch, um, and drinking too heavily. So it was affecting me more than, you know, most people who drink it's, they have a couple beers or a glass of wine or two. Um, and that's not going to negatively impact you the way I'm talking about. But when I cut out the stuff that I was using to deal with the stress in my life. So, you know, too much alcohol and, and, um, that helped me deal with emotional stuff and relationships that were bad at the time. Um, when I cut those things out, it allowed me to recover better from training and it just had huge impact on my running. Um, but I do supplements as well. I take iron. Um, and I think it's good. Like if people are listening, you know, you should have things tested, not just take a supplement. Cause I did find that yes. I, I was a little too high in some stuff and you know, my iron was too low, but, but iron's the type of thing. If you're good on it, you don't want to take more. It get, it can cause serious problems. Like if yeah. you start taking supplements cause you think you need calcium and then all of a sudden like, Oh, my arteries are calcified like it's it it can it can be a serious problem so yeah it takes i don't know a few hundred bucks at most probably less than a hundred bucks to get your blood tests done and yeah i mean i've found also and this isn't just because i'm a hammer nutrition athlete i honestly i care more about you guys as as people than um you know buying some product but know where your supplements come from like if it's some super cheap knockoff something or other like just just take two minutes and try to find out like okay is this vitamin i'm taking every single day like is that coming from a safe source because people will be super safe on you know where their where their vegetables come from and like you know everything else in their diet and then they'll throw in a, a vitamin and not even think about where it's coming from. So, okay, I'm off my soapbox. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's true though. I mean, I think supplements are the type of thing you don't you don't want to be making your body more toxic. Your whole point is to be healthier. So, yeah, it's true. So, where are you on food? Are you are do you have any special dietary restrictions? I mean. Sounds like you're you've cut out alcohol, which is amazing, um, and I'm I'm super glad you figured that out, and you know it's making you recover better and whatnot. Um, do you have dietary restrictions? And yeah, not too much. Um, I tend to be sort of open to to what my body wants, and I tend to be a, naturally a pretty healthy eater. Um, but I do find that, you know, as a big event approaches, you sort of want to make sure you, you're ready and fit and, and you're the right race weight. I'm not talking about getting super skinny per se, but, you know, you're not, you don't want to carry a lot of extra weight through an ultra if you, if you don't have to. So, so there, yeah. no, go ahead. Go ahead. There's just a few things that I'll cut out as I'm trying to cut weight a little bit for, for a big event. Um, like uh, I'll try to eat foods just a few ingredients rather than buying something that has a whole bunch of ingredients. I'll cut out dairy. Um, and I have no problem digesting dairy, but it's just extra calories. We usually top onto something else. So cheeses and all I that. I do the same thing. Yeah. Do you? I go like, yeah. I almost go vegan for like a week yeah. or two. Um, cut that all out. But like during <laughs> the heavy training blocks, it's almost like total opposite. Like protein needs to be kind of off the charts. 
but yeah, yeah, yeah. cleaning things up and because your activity level drops, so it's That's like true. like your bloodstream needs less of those um like fatty like you know those typical proteins floating around because you're not recovering, you're not training. Um, yeah, yeah. So cutting, keeping your diet more simple, and you know, eating a little less frequently. Um, oh yeah. Maybe having like more smoothies or sometimes I, I'm not a big like eater in the morning. I like to drink some coffee and then I yes. usually don't eat till afternoon. Um, which might sound odd, but I just don't feel hungry in the mornings usually. So, um, yeah, so I just will push that out and have like a smoothie after coffee and that kind of thing. So I am exactly the same way. Um, and what's funny is, like, we're told our whole lives, like, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like, uh, actually, I mean, <laughs> um, do you experiment with fasting at all? It sounds like you do. I have. Yeah, I, I definitely have a lot in the past. Um, it's harder, like you mentioned, with training blocks. Um, if I am going to do fasting, I don't want it to be um, – I want it to be – far between events because I think it can be a little stressful on your on your body but I'll do like a natural fast every morning you know I don't eat till I feel hungry um because otherwise I just feel heavy the rest of the day so I I wait to eat um until I start feel really hungry you know what will make you feel heavy is is recording an audiobook um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that no will, kidding that yeah. will ruin your base level fitness um Oh my God! Are you Seriously. doing that right now for your your new book? It's so freaking awful. I I know That's, the importance. Uh, like I know our listeners, like the person listening to this right now, it's like a fifty fifty. They'll want the audio version because I mean, modern day people, we just don't have time to sit down and read a book. Like we're yeah. on the go. Like we'll listen to it in traffic. Like you know, I'm I'm the same way. Um. Yeah, you got to do the audio, and, and so you're recording it yourself. Are every, you? Everyone is like, you have to do this yourself, and I'm. So I'm dyslexic, which means me converting like seeing words into verbal, like within my own brain. Like I think in pic I think in pictures. So, uh, reading out loud, like I was laughed at at in like sixth grade and seventh grade, like. It's hard for my brain to process it that way because I'm interpreting things as pictures and like thinking in pictures. So trying to turn that into audio is like, ah, like it just doesn't that sounds process. stressful. And, but on the other hand, it's like some of these really difficult, challenging things for us that are so stressful will help us grow the most. So it's like the fact that you're doing that is probably really good. You'll be that much. I don't know. I feel like it'll be a good thing over the long run, but it sounds that's, incredibly stressful. That's what I told my wife. I'm like, I actually hate this so much that <laughs> I like the challenge. Like, I'm I'm going to do this book. Like, it could kill me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, like, but you I, might I, only get cha up to chapter 22, but... Um, <laughs> it sounds like an ultra to me. <laughs> totally. Totally. So... Well, it's interesting because... When you're recording something, too, you and I both know as people who do podcasts, and you're a lot more experienced than I am, but there's a lot of focus that you have to have um, go recording something, especially when you're reading something, because you don't want it to sound like you're just reading straight from the book. So you have to be playing the character <laughs> a little bit. And 
That is really hard for people like us who have trouble focusing our attention on one thing. Um, it, this lack of focus or this like hyperactivity kind of stuff is like really can get us a long way in certain things. But when it comes to reading and recording, yeah, just blow my head up. Like like we joked about, like, I'm pretty sure Candace is like the female version of me. Like, like, (laughs) honestly, I've never met a person who has like that level of just, I guess, similarities in a sense. Like, so, um, I want to ask you, because my my wife and I, you know, kids are difficult. I mean, it, especially when you're an ultra runner and you need to get that long run in and, you know, you need to do this and that. And, and you know, someone gets sick and then all hell breaks loose. Like, how have you done it? Like, how are you a race director? Like, you show up at Hurt pretty much every year setting FKTs. I mean, just the logistics of a 200 miler could be a whole episode. You yeah. crush Delirious West. Like, how do you do it as a mama, too? It, it's a complicated question to answer because it's certainly changed a lot over time. When the kids were little, there wasn't as much I could do. And I would literally lie down. So the kids would be napping, and I would lie down, and I would say, Today I can't go for a run because I don't have any help. So I'm going to lie down and visualize a run. Like that's how bad I wanted to run. And I think it was a powerful activity to do. I would lie down and visualize. I would get changed in my head. I would go out the door and I would run these crazy long distances. I started to actually dream about running and, and how good I felt running. And as weird as it sounds, I think that that helped me get to a point where I was able to run ultras and being at the time when my kids were little, I was a stay at home mom and I couldn't even imagine, you know, being able to do ultras. I trained for a marathon and that was a lot. Um, and luckily, you know, I had the support of at the time, um, my kid's dad and my husband, um, to be able to go out and go on these runs. And my mom would come and help watch the kids on occasion, but it was my only time that I got for myself. And so I think being a parent, the thing that it's really given me is a deep, deep appreciation for running. It's like you could look at running as, oh, I got to go for a run. Or you can look at it as like, wow, I get this time to go out by myself and, you know, have this amazing experience, whatever, you know, as much of a struggle as a run might be. All I have to worry about is moving forward. Whereas in daily life, there's so many other things that come in. Like you said, a kid gets sick or they're yelling or screaming or, you know, there's a there's a lot of things that can happen. And so I, I started to approach running um, when I became a parent as this huge positive force in my life. And I've taken that into ultra running um, full force. And so I think every run I get, I appreciate it. And... Um, when uh, my kid's dad and I split up and, you know, working out the whole parenting situation was definitely challenging um, and it's changed a lot over the years. But one thing that's allowed me to do what I do is having his support um, in terms of, you know, he wants to be a dad, he loves being a dad. And so when I do, when I do go to Australia for two weeks, I feel comfortable that the kids are going to be happy and enjoying themselves with their dad. Um, and then of course, excited to see me when I get back and modern technology gives us the ability to still stay in touch, 
you know, while, while I'm gone. But it's hard. I mean, I'm thinking about them. I'm racing and I'm thinking, I can't let my family down and not complete this because I've just taken all this time to train and I've done all this and I'm not going to dump it all away for, you know, if I quit, I feel like I'm letting them down too. So it's a motivator, but it's also a stress and something that I think about constantly. And sometimes I worry that my training makes me a bad parent because maybe I'm not here as much um, as I would like to be. It's a, it's, it's finding that balance I think is not as easy as, um, as I would like. It's like one of the hardest parts of being an ultra runner, honestly, it is. like in a parent. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So how has being a race director and your races are growing every year? I suck my neck out and said Moab might sell out this year. I don't, I, we got 65 places, I think, open. Yeah, um, we're getting there. I, th- I think it'll be close. Um, it's hard to say because there's usually a big bump when oh, yeah. registration happens and um, it might take, I don't know, it might take another year to, to sell out. It It's fickle. I mean, it, you know, Tahoe 200 has been selling out year after year, uh, but the Bigfoot 200 is a lot of people's favorites and it still doesn't, I mean, you could still get in pretty close to the, the race date. Um, we'll probably... I, I don't mean to cut you off. Oh, I, go for it. I, yeah. I, I, I'm looking out five years, and I think the triple could actually sell out and go lotto almost. So, yeah, like, I, yeah. I look at my personal experience, and then I'm like, oh, like, this isn't just two 100-mile races, like, back-to-back. Like, this is an experience. Like, this is life-changing. This is an adventure. Um, and I think... Once more and more people start to realize, like, I don't have to be, I don't know, some super athlete to, to figure this out. Like, yeah, I, I truly think in five years time, you're going to have some, some new pressures of being too successful and having to, to go to Lotto. But anyways, how is, how is being a race director affected your running? Like during delirious, like, did you have any moments where your race director side came out during your actual running or an FKT for that matter? Um, I think it, it does give me a unique racer perspective. I don't take much for granted when I'm racing because I know that things can fall apart, um, in terms of the organization and not just be, and, um, I guess to explain that a little bit, um, I just know that course markings can be tampered with. Uh, trucks can break down on the way to aid stations. Um, I try to be pretty prepared. I also tend to see it's like it's like being a police officer, right? I see as a race director some of the worst things. Um, I see it all, but I, you know, you you sort of see that stuff and what happens behind the scenes, and then you try to turn it into an experience where the runners don't have to experience the fires that you're putting out, quite literally. Um, all the way up to the race and then during the race. There's just always things going on um, that that you have to deal with as an organizer, especially what, what, with what, the 200-mile distance. What fires was Candace Bird? <laughs> Did you have a fire extinguisher? Did you put out a fire? <laughs> not literally. Okay, okay. okay. No, Sorry. not literally, luckily. But Sorry. when I say – I always okay. use that as an example because um, 
there's there's stuff that comes up uh, as an organizer that you don't expect, and you have to be ready for these unexpected things to come up, and then you have to deal with them. Like for example, oh, okay. at the top, yes. at the to- so at the Tahoe 200 last year, um, we had everything taken care of, all the permits, all that, and the volunteers went out to set up one of our aid stations and we get this call and and they're like the location for the aid station is a cafe and apparently the owner is saying that we don't aren't allowed to have an aid station there and the runners are only you know maybe like four hours away from that location so i am like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh what is he talking about we already set up we've had this aid station every year you know my permit director um, had established that we were going to have it there again. So I'm calling him and he's like, well, I don't remember hearing from you guys this year. And then my permit director, I I got her on the phone. I said, all right, I hope you have a record of this because he's saying you didn't. And she goes, yep, all in my notes. I contacted him in June. The race is in September. And then the guy's going, oh, well, you should have let me know closer to the race. And and you just throw your hands up because it's you did. You tried to let them know more in advance, but then you know he got busy with all his stuff, um, and we had had this four other years. This is a fifth year, so to me it was just it didn't even make sense. But I I told him I said you there's nothing. The runners are coming. We have to set the station up. You agreed. So there's stuff like that that you totally don't expect um, that can happen, and or you know we had um, we had some of my employees taking down, uh, we'd hired this company and rented these road signs for the road crossings in the 200 miler, just these big road signs. And they had a trailer and they were taking the road signs down and putting them in the trailer and a police officer stopped them thinking they were hooligans taking down road signs. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, you know, to bail them out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's like, there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes. It's like, we're putting on a play and we don't want you to see the stuff going on behind the scenes, but we have to make sure that it's it's a clean show. And so um, as great of a race director as you may be, you have to make it work, you know, every time. And like at Moab this year, we had to reroute the course during the race because of snow. And so I got the permits and everything mid-race and, you know, the course was marked before the runners got there. But it's like sometimes, you you know, there's a, there's a lot going on. That's why That's why I slowed down. <laughs> After 20, I was like, oh, ah, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to give Candace some time because I know she'll probably have time. to remark course and like do that. So why not the, give it time for the I'll just, show to melt. I'll, I'll bonk for like 30 miles. You know, I don't want to stress them out. Um, yeah. So you you thought you had calories with you, right? I was I was. So I got yeah. a book in the mail and um, I was reading that part about um, where you had to go like a half marathon. <laughs> 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 I was just looking at my GPS watch the whole time and like the the sun's overhead. (laughs) I finally made that turn. I saw it and I was like, is that even real? Like, I don't think I've reached that point, but yeah, you guys, you had a, a aid station right there and I just, I messed up so many times. I don't want to ruin the book, but yeah, it's, uh, don't give it all away. (laughs) Yeah. If you're thinking about Moab 240, the last five chapters, I think, a pretty good picture but um i don't want to get sidetracked on on that horrible (laughs) that horrible situation um no i'm kidding Uh, but honestly you guys were flawless and riley riley should get a raise 
team was awesome. <laughs> um, hey, you don't even know how much he makes. So, yeah. Whatever he but makes. He's a good, yeah. Whatever he makes. Give him more. Give add more. a little extra. Um, yeah, yeah, so, he's awesome. He does everything. And, and actually, one of the great things about having him on board is I can send him out. I know that he can go out and do 20 miles just like that. So I'll send him sometimes on the rescue missions if we have to send somebody out in the middle of the night or if yeah, we have to remark yeah. something, he can go out. And that's one thing people don't realize with the 200 milers. I have to have people on staff who I can send out to run well, yeah, significant portions of trail. You guys hit it from both sides too because I, I don't know, maybe that was your van episode where yeah, you said that yeah. you had sent him out from the other aid station. You came from the finish line um, right. to search for her. So that's a really good episode, by the way, if the listeners listening right now, if you're still awake, because um, <laughs> we've almost talked about running. We're getting there. Um, Humans of Ultra Running, Candice's podcast is awesome. Definitely check that out. So I have, um, and if you haven't figured it out, I'm trying to not talk about running really with Candice. I'm trying to get to know her and her perspective. So like we've been an hour into this. If you haven't figured it out yet, I mean... This isn't going to be a six-hour podcast. Although, if Candace, <laughs> if Candace has the time, no. no. Oh, yeah, all the time in the world. <laughs> we'll, we'll t- three hours on, on how we set up a, uh, a moon or a, a Mars Ultra. Um, yeah, let's dig into that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have four more questions for you. Okay. Um, I know you're busy, and I, I truly appreciate your time, and I respect you a ton um let's let's just start with the topical one will you ever run your own triple crown will you ever run one your own 200s uh that's hard to answer um i think i could i could because i have a good team but it would feel really weird um to not be on the organizing side like it would feel sort of irresponsible okay um so it, I would say it's it's a possibility, um, but at this point, I my responsibility being too big. Uh, yeah, I although Chris, Crystal could handle the whole thing, I, I have no I doubt so about too. it. Yeah, yeah. I Riley too. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. I don't. <laughs> yeah. He just helped me out Absolutely. with bread, and I was super impressed. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, there, I mean, it, it's an amazing team, and. I think sometimes they don't get enough credit, um, but the fact that, you know, that I have this team behind me is, oh, my dogs are saying hi. I was wondering if that would happen. (laughs) So I, where I live, we get a lot of snow, and the reason that they're barking is because the snow just came off the roof in a thunderous thud. I don't know if you heard it, but it's actually dangerous here. They heard, they heard, um... Part of the oh, team, part of the team doesn't get enough credit, and then they started barking. And That's, then the dogs went. Yeah, yeah they're part but, of the team. <laughs> that they are. They yeah, they often come out to the two hundreds. Um, but no, my my organizational team is key to my success. Um, and me being able to have them and step away from a lot of the day to day work and and focus on creativity more. Um, having that team has been key to that because I think. A lot of my vision is trying to come up with new ideas that are going to inspire runners, um, and yeah, and so having having this team, um, I couldn't do it without them. So you're thinking of new races? Yeah, we have um, definitely 
new stuff in the works. Um, but we have to make sure we nail um, our triple crown and um, and that I get some new inspiring experiences, you know, so like going out and running the Delirious West 200 and um, in April doing the Arizona Trail are going to be, I think, experiences that will inspire me to continue to create some interesting stuff uh, in the ultra running world. Some new stuff, new unique stuff. So you've you've changed a lot as a person over the years and I just, I'm, I'm trying to pin down one or two of your like biggest changes like that you perceive as a person over the past gosh let's let's go all the way back to where your dad was running for sheriff like how how have you changed and and how has that affected you i think at the, the at that time um being a lot more introverted and um in my own little world uh from from that looking back at that girl and seeing who I am now, I would have never been able to, I could barely stand in front of the class, let alone, you know, go on a podcast like this or have my own podcast. Uh, so very much afraid of, you know, being in the spotlight or speaking in front of people. And now that's just part of my job. You know, I go and talk to the runners or I, I have, uh, you know, I talk for an hour <laughs> in front of the 200 mile runners about the course. So I think I've come a, l- a lot out of my shell um, and sort of become a better version of myself, uh, more extroverted. I still have that introverted side and that need to go deep um, within my own self, but I'm able to come out and be very social when the need arises. I'm glad you came out of your shell. I've been there for one of your your speeches. Where like, I've never had to talk with a microphone. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it, I used to be so nervous for it, and then, you know, it's like when when you know something too. Like I know running and I know my races. It's easy to talk. Um, it easier to talk in front of a group. Uh, but I'll still get a little excitement, kind of nerves initially. But I don't feel like this sense of dread or this. I actually enjoy the process now, whereas, you know, back in middle school, that would have been the most terrifying thing I could think of doing. So I think um, your perspective on women within ultra running is, I mean, I I have to ask one, one or two questions. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, did you feel during or after Delirious West, I mean, you finished podium. Um, and that's typically like, you know, you, you would maybe read about like a Courtney D doing that. Um, and it was totally underreported. I I mean, do you feel, I mean, how do you feel about that? And like, I, I feel like women are becoming better represented within ultra running, but I don't know. Like I need to ask, you know, someone like you that, um, is living and breathing within the ultra world, like kind of how do you how do you feel like the delirious west thing went and how do you think how do you think things are progressing yeah that's it's a complicated question um because there's a lot of talk about whether we need to do something to encourage women and whether we need to have certain rules or all this kind of thing i think it's really simple i don't think that race directors need to necessarily come up with 
ways to encourage women. But I think that it's important to recognize there's two races going on. There's a women's race and a men's race. And certainly when women break into the podium, I think it's important to acknowledge that as well. And it's important to have media covering both races. Um, so again, it's not like you have to go giving women discounts or, you know, special treatment or anything like that, but just equal or, treatment. Or an you extra know? hour. Um, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't. So Ugh. it's like treat it as, as two separate races and give us equal coverage. Um, so cool. Yeah, I, that's how I see it. And and being somebody who is a competitor and who has finished, you know, in, in the top um, men and women with you know several races, it's frustrating that the media often just looks at the men. And um, back when I ran in Chile, um, the Ultra Fjord 100 miler. It was a similar situation to what happened at Delirious West, and I can go into that too. But um, I finished fifth overall in that race, and first, wow. and yeah, first woman. And the first place man had um, a motorcade, and you know all these people that finished and these interviews and all this. And when I came through, nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. And I just thought, you know, all you need to do, you just you need to show in media, and you need to show the race needs to respect the the women's race as well and try to, if you're going to do all these things for the men's race, do it for the women's or at least have the media cover the women's race too. Um, and, and I think that that just sort of starts to wear on you as a female competitor. You really do notice these differences. Um, and then at Delirious West, um, they, the race itself was great about, you know, supporting female runners. Um, and so I got third overall, so first place woman. Um, and then, you know, I just randomly saw this big article come out on the race and uh, ABC News, and it just talked about the men's race. Um, it covered the first place male and then one or two other men that had run the race and not a single woman. And so my frustration with that was more the fact that they didn't even, you wouldn't even have known there were women in the race if you read that article. Um, and so... I didn't need to be covered specifically, um, but the fact that they didn't even interview a single woman for it, um, to me, was just shocking. So, you know, I made some posts about it, and they added a section, finally, for ultra ladies, they called us, <laughs> which is just so funny, you know, and I don't even know why it needs to be a thing, but I do feel that if I see something like that, yeah, I'm going to bring attention to it, but again, I don't think we necessarily need to give women discounts or anything like that but no hour no extra hour for Candace Bird. no <laughs> I was my response no. honestly and I haven't shared this before but um in turn like within my closed kind of Facebook group I was like I'm gonna release my podcast uh one hour early to women because you know, <laughs> clearly there's a discrepancy so we need more time apparently <laughs> yeah what the heck okay anyways um I want to I want to finish with one last question and I feel like over the years you've trained yourself to kind of enter flow you know you can just it's almost like a switch for you maybe I'm totally totally wrong and just totally botching the end of this interview um, <laughs> but in terms of do you meditate and if so how's that affected your life and how's that affected your running and like what do you want to share about just meditation in general yeah i i do feel that meditation is really important um 
there's some things that like that that I'll take time for because I think it does allow us to find that when we find that calm, balanced state, we can come back and get more accomplished. Um, so it's like stepping back, you know, taking time to get time. Um, but I have found with creativity, it's important to, um, to be able to relax into it. Um, and so I feel that running is a creative pursuit as well as, um, writing or race directing, you know, anything that, that we're passionate about. So for me, um, I got into meditating more with, uh, yoga actually got me into it and I've been doing yoga for as long as I've been running. So I started doing yoga in high school and it brought me to this sort of, you know, you work with your breathing and you work with these poses and that in itself is a meditation, but taking that time after you've done all this physical stuff to lie down or sit and meditate is really powerful. Um, and I find that with running as well, I can meditate while I'm running. Absolutely. That's actually my favorite way to meditate. Um, just clear the mind and just go. But for somebody like you and me who are so active, it's also nice to just sit and meditate sometimes. <laughs> and, and there's a really powerful practice that people can use where if you, if you want to focus on something um, and make it more powerful in your life, whether it be running or um, a certain job or something like that, you sit and meditate and try to focus on this thing in its most positive attributes. So not the problems that you might have with running, let's say, um, but the positive things you want to get from it. 20 seconds just for it's really surprisingly hard to focus on anything for 20 seconds but in a meditative state do that um every day and you'll see you'll definitely see results from it so i'm a big i'm big into the visualization meditation that's awesome yeah i've i mean i think in pictures so my big breakthrough was figuring out that i can turn the slide deck of pictures off in my head and then it's like, I just look around and see the world for what it is. It's kind of weird, but um, powerful. And I think meditation can help a lot of people. I think if everyone meditated, the world would be a lot better off because um, we wouldn't be so anxious about things like, you know, worrying about the future or like, you know, questioning the past. It's just enjoying the moment and enjoying the conversation that you're within at this time and uh Thank you, Candace, for letting me kind of try something different with this interview and not talk much running, but talk more about you, the person, because I respect you, the person, a lot and just appreciate your time because I know you're super busy. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm so honored to, to get on your podcast and um, I appreciate the questions. It was interesting to delve into some of that stuff. Definitely different and actually <laughs> can... I can honestly say that that you ask more questions that I've never been asked than ever before. <laughs> That's that was my goal. That was my goal. Yeah. I wanted a different Candice Burt interview. I wanted the listener to learn more about you, you know, the person because you're such an amazing person. So well, I will see I, you at the finish when, of three races this year. And as long as no one is severely off course, um, it's like my main goal for 19 is to get three pictures with Candace Burt at three finish lines and, you know, complete the triple crown. Oh man, I think we can do it. <laughs> I, think I think we, we can. can make it happen. <laughs> it's, it's fine. If not, uh, trust me, I'd much rather you run after and save someone than get a picture. But yeah, I, 
I enjoyed the time. If you haven't already checked out Humans of Ultra Running, do so. It's a great podcast, and it's only going to get better. She's less than 20 episodes in. You know, please don't listen to my first 20. Um, <laughs> it only gets much better. And I, It's so funny, though, how you say that, because I, I think, oh, my first five podcasts, I'm like, ooh, I don't know. You know, like, I feel like there's already been an improvement or at least I'm starting to find that voice and um, I, I like all the podcasts I've done but yeah it's interesting you, you really don't know what direction you're going in um, I don't know how many podcasts does it take you tell me it's second 80 so far 80 um, <laughs> yeah so two two years worth yeah just uh, just about yeah I mean I honestly it's it's get this in you know when the opportunity arises and I used to be super disciplined, like, you know, trying to get it out on a certain day and all that stuff. And I realized, like, let's just focus on what's important, like focus on the conversation and record it as you go. And I mean, honestly, the numbers keep growing. So I, th- I awesome. think your numbers will only keep growing. I think I truly think we're five years from lotteries on some of your races. So um, I appreciate what you do for the community. I appreciate that you're not scared to voice your opinion. Like, I, I really respect that. It takes a lot to call out, um, like, a major news organization on not covering the story. Like, that's that takes some serious guts. <laughs> so I, I really respect that. And um, what you've created has changed my life. So the least I can do is thank you and you know tell other people about it so thanks for your support and yeah thanks for your time yeah thank you for having me on it's been a pleasure and that's episode 80 big thank you again to candace bird for taking so much time and just being so open and letting us get to know her so it felt like i was just sitting down at a restaurant and getting to know a new friend so appreciate that appreciate my sponsors ultimate direction destination trail exoskin if you haven't tried them use the promo code t the number 4u20 for 20 percent off hammer nutrition and sufferfest beer again thank you to the patreon supporters truly appreciate you guys most importantly don't forget to enjoy your training <laughs>